head them toward the nursery uh, with Anne, maybe. And it looks like Abby upside down there. So if you're heading for the nursery, this is the time to go. Um, and if you have a child that's going to be sitting in the service um, but needs something to do, we definitely have coloring pages and crayons in the back. The oh, you already did? Oh, you missed one, apparently. <laughs> it's easy. Carly's got like eight kids, and so it's hard to get all of them. It's easy to miss one. Um, guys, I'm going to do something. I'm sorry. I, uh, I, it's been summer, and, and some of you all may have noticed that, that like in Montana, I guess it's, it's summer, and it's like 1,000 degrees every day. And this building is, is built like a giant Dutch oven. And so in the summer, this place like is extra hot. And in the winter, I thought, well, I got up this morning and I was getting dressed, and I was like, it's going to be kind of cool, so I can wear a sweater and look nice. And I try to wear a sweater and look nice every Sunday. But Jimmy turned the heat on. Where are you? <laughs> That's why he's sitting on the other side. I'm going to take my sweater off. Is that all right with y'all? I'm wearing a shirt under it. I <laughs> no, no gun shows I was on the fence about um, about whether or not I was going to do that until I got up here and I started doing prayer and I'm like dripping and um, and I thought oh man I'm wearing my Dairy Queen shirt I could throw but but as as luck would have it or as providence would have it I've been having a heck of a time coming up with what I'm going to talk about how I'm going to open the sermon this week and and then I I was thinking well Dairy Queen I can't believe it. And I was like wait a minute Dairy Queen how many of y'all eat at Dairy Queen occasionally. Uh, there's not a Dairy Queen for like 60 miles, but it's like a country staple, right? I mean, like, and, and Dairy Queen, no dairy product in that ice cream, by the way. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> made with kelp. I had a friend who worked at Dairy Queen. She told me all about it, and I don't eat there anymore. Um, but but Dairy, Queen, Dairy Queen ice cream is different. I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. It's soft serve, right? And so you get it, and it's like you don't need the spoon, and you can't break the spoon eating it. It's like perfect. And if you get the blizzard, you can hold it upside down. It doesn't all fall out right away. It holds. So it's like firm but edible. Everybody with me? And it's, it's actually pretty good ice cream, especially when you mix, like, chunks of candy in it because everything's better with chunks of candy. Um, come to the Halloween party next week. Um, <laughs> subliminal commercial. Um, so now I discovered something about, about the soft serve, though, that's kind of interesting. If you let that soft serve sit for about 30 minutes, what have you got? You get soup, and it's not actually as good, right? Some people prefer their, their ice cream that way, but like most people, normal people, you know, you, you let it sit for 30 minutes. The longevity of soft serve is not good, right? Um, now, I, I once I bought um, um, the peanut butter parfait, which is the best thing in the entire world, except that I'm pretty sure it kills you if you eat more than one a week uh, or in a lifetime. Um, it's like smoking. They subtract minutes from your life when you... Um, <laughs> and I, I got the large one because it's always better if it's bigger. And I, I ate part of it, and I was like, oh, it's just too much. I've got I've to gotta not eat it. But you can't, like, save it because it's Dairy Queen. If you put it out, it's going to melt, and it's no good. So I put it in the freezer. You know what happens to Dairy Queen when you take it out of the freezer? You, you need a chisel and, and a three-pound, like, little sledgehammer to... <laughs> I mean, it, it ruins it, right? Like, in Dairy Queen is one of those things that you eat it right then, or that's it. 
I mean, that's it, right? Like, am I, am I saying anything that's incorrect? I mean, it is a buy it, eat it, enjoy it now. And when it's gone, you have to get on the treadmill to deal with it. Um, if you try to save it, saving it ruins it. It just does. It cannot be saved. Um, the difference between happiness and joy is Dairy Queen sausage. Um, my, uh, my folks gave us a car a few weeks ago, and it's a really nice car, and I'm enjoying it, right? It's nice having a car where the warning lights don't flash at you. And, <laughs> and it, it's nice having a car that doesn't leak, and it's, not, it's nice having a car where the wheels don't shake if you go over 40. Um, like, it's a nice car. Um, it <laughs> it's not a Dodge, either. It's a Toyota. Um, <laughs> Now, and I am enjoying the heck out of this car, right? I, I am really enjoying this car. In five years, well, it's, it's a Toyota, so in 10 years, <laughs> in 20 years, is it going to be that nice? No. Everything in the world that we have decays, right? And we can get stuff, and actually, if I'm still jumping up and down and giddy because I have that car in like a year, that's weird, right? I mean, most of the time you buy it, you buy a car, and it's really wonderful and exciting until the new smell wears off, and then it's not so exciting anymore. It's just that thing I have. Um, and it's that way with a lot of things that we buy. They might make us happy for a little bit, but it's that happiness that's right there for a little bit, and it's like the Dairy Queen soft serve, right? You let it sit long enough, and it melts away. Or worse, if you try and save it and hold on to it and make it the center of your joy forever, it gets hard, and you, you can't enjoy it anymore. Joy is different. You do not get joy in stuff, right? Joy is there even if, like, the big mean kid down the block comes over and knocks your ice cream to the ground. Like, joy is, is a little like happiness, but it sits at the foundation of everything, and you can feel it even when you're hurting. Everybody with me? Joy is, is, is one of the best parts of life. It's one of the best things you can experience, and that's what we're going to be looking at in Philippians. Um, Last week we started, we actually did the last verse, or the last sermon in the uh, um, Kingdom Family series, and we talked about Paul going to Philippi and, like, establishing this church, right? And and the church, remember, if you were here last week or if you weren't, I'll give you the really quick fill-in. Hold on, I have slides. Um, <laughs> and then the second one already. <laughs> the really quick fill-in, the, the church was founded when Paul converted a rich businesswoman, a slave girl, and a Roman soldier who was retired and, like, ran a prison, right? A very diverse and, like, not similar group of people, right? And, and this is a group of people that um, stayed very unified and didn't have division and didn't get, like, led astray by false teachers and, and did very well, right? And Paul becomes very close to them. Um, we see a couple of oddball things in that one, by the way. You guys remember Paul gets arrested at the end of the story or toward the end? And he's put in jail and he's tortured. And while he's there, like in stocks, which is a way of torturing people in the ancient world, not like stocks from the United States and the, or from the colonies or whatever, um, stocks are uncomfortable. And Paul was praising God and praying while he was being tortured. You know, like he's, he's in a great deal of pain and discomfort. And he's like singing and praising God and he's like praying the whole time. Like you couldn't, you couldn't hurt this guy um, because Paul had joy, right? And that joy continues as we start up in Philippians. Philippians is written later in Paul's ministry. He is in Rome, and he's in prison, right? Now, Paul, 
and he was a tough guy to deal with. Um, Paul had planned his whole life, for years, Paul had planned to go to the city of Rome to do a ministry, to start a church. And a church started there without him. And eventually, Paul like keeps trying to get over there, and stuff keeps getting in the way. And he tries to go over there, and something gets in the way, he has to go in a different direction. Or somebody tries to kill him, and he has to run away and hide somewhere else. Um, eventually, Paul goes to Jerusalem, and he's preaching, and they try to arrest him. And it doesn't work out well. Um, they do arrest him, and they're about to free him. And Paul turns around and says, wait a minute, I am a Roman citizen. And because I'm a Roman citizen, I have the right to be tried before the emperor. And the soldiers are like, wait, we're just going to let you go. He's like, no, I want a trial, and I want a trial with the emperor, so you better take me to Rome now. And so, <laughs> and they take him to Rome. He, like, sort of forces them to take him to Rome. And, and he gets there, and things are going well. He's put on house arrest because he's not really guilty of much. He's looking for an opportunity. First off, he got free passage to Rome, which is awesome. Um, and secondly, he's, I think he's trying to preach the gospel to the Roman emperor because Paul is, like, bold as can be. Um, <laughs> And so Paul is there, and he's on house arrest, and then the emperors change. And, like, the tide of public opinion changes, and all of a sudden they start persecuting Christians. And Paul goes from being in a very nice, like, house arrest prison to living in a dungeon. And actually, like, like it's so bad that they've got him chained to guards. So they've got two guys chained to him all day. And they put two guys chained to him because he was considered to be a serious enemy of the state. And they didn't want him to get away for some reason. So he had these guards chained to him. And so what did Paul do? Paul sat all day and told these guys about Jesus. <laughs> and every new guard that came in, he, you, you can almost see him doing it. Like, oh, hey, you're new? Let me tell you about Jesus. And, and he actually manages to spread the gospel in the palace, the royal palace in Rome, from prison by talking to the guards. Because you can't beat this guy, right? Um, one of the tricks that happens here is, when you're a prison, like when you're a prisoner in these like severe, high, like maximum security, does that sound right? Maximum security Roman prisons, they didn't necessarily feed you. You had to have friends who brought you food. Um, and so Paul had a handful of folks who were bringing them food, but they were Christians, and it was illegal to be Christian at this point. They were arresting these guys, and so everybody's kind of living in fear. They don't have a whole lot of money. Things are getting dry, and it's a really, really tough time. This is about the time, by the way, that the Apostle Peter is executed. So, like, like the, the, the 12 are disappearing now. Like, they're, I mean, it's bad. Um, and Paul is in prison, and he starts out his letter, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, or of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I've been preaching for over 15 years. This is the first time I've done the first 10 verses of a, of a book, I usually skip over the greetings. But so if it sounds terrible, that's my excuse. Um, Paul starts out and he does a fairly standard, like, hey, how's it going? Right? Um, one thing he doesn't do is he doesn't say, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. Right? He doesn't throw out his credentials first. Now, if you read all the other letters, Paul almost always throws out his credentials. And the reason he does that is almost every other church that he writes letters to. He's writing letters to them because they're having problems. And so he has to like break out the credentials right away and say, okay, here's why you need to listen to what I'm saying. Um, he doesn't do that. Why? Because the church in Philippi has got its business together. This is the only pastoral epistle, the only like letter that Paul wrote to a church, like just writing a letter to them, 
where he's not correcting false doctrine. And he's not trying to break up a fight. Or, or he's not trying to correct somebody who's doing something crazy. Like, this is a nice letter. And he goes, he says, look, um, all, the, all the folks who are there, including the leaders, right? And he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Now, these two words, grace and peace. Um, grace is when you receive something you cannot pay for and that you don't deserve from someone who is in no way obligated to give it to you. Everybody with me? Grace is what we receive in Jesus. I am a crummy guy. Ask my wife. <laughs> She's not here. I can't make that joke. But anyway, um, I, I, I'm a sinner, right? All of you are sinners, whether you know it or not. We all sin, and we all sin quite a bit, right? This is a part of who we are. But God loves us so much that we're, when we're at our worst, God is willing to send his son to die for us. Did he have to do that? No, he's God. He could pretty much just like wish and then start over somewhere else, right? But he doesn't. He says, I am going to give up the most precious thing in the world for you. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. We can't pay it back. He doesn't owe it to us. He does it anyway. And so Paul starts out wishing them grace and then peace. Peace is the result of grace, meaning until I'm right with God, I'm his enemy. Right? If I live my life rebelling against God, we're not on the same team. Peace that exists between me and God um, is a result of grace. It's a result of Jesus dying for my sins. Um, and so he starts out with, like, the most basic way to present the gospel, right? Grace and peace. Jesus died for you, you're forgiven, and now you're at peace with God. Um, and this becomes the foundation for a whole bunch of other stuff. We keep going. I thank God in my remembrance. Oh, hold on. Did I miss something there? Nope. Oh, yeah, I did. Um, one last thing that I should have had to come back to. Paul and Timothy, bond servants. Anybody know what a bond servant is? It's a slave, right? We don't use it in English translations because we use the word slave and it comes with a whole like civil war of cultural context, right? In this culture, slaves were pretty common. And nobody was fighting to free them because nobody cared that much, right? Except occasionally the slaves and that didn't even work out well. Um, slaves were very, very common. And in fact, when Paul was in Philippi the first time, and he goes around preaching, the demon-possessed girl follows him around and says, these men are slaves of the Almighty God. And so Paul brings that phrase back in, right? I think there's a joke there, but that's, you can imagine them teasing each other about it later. He kept saying, I was, but Paul is a slave to God. Why is he a slave to God? Well, if you're a slave, do you have property? No. Do you get to do what you want? No. Do you get to have your own identity and house wherever you want? No. You get to be what that guy says you are. And for Paul and Timothy, they are what God decides they are. That's all of their identity. God says, you are going to go out and preach the gospel. Paul does it. God says, well, you're going to be tortured today for the gospel. Paul says, okay, let's go ahead and do it. Um, Paul's priorities were all about Jesus, right? And his identity was all about Jesus. Um, it's important we're going to come back around to it. We did a lot of singing today. I'm running a little long. I'm sorry, guys. I'm trying to fit it all in. I, um, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. Um, okay. So, I thank God in all my remembrance of you. Paul is saying, every time I pray, okay, this is every time I pray, 
I stop and I thank God for you people, for, for this church. Now, Paul says stuff like this to all the churches, but when we get a little further into this, we're going to find that Paul is saying something a little more personal to these guys because this church, we're going to find out, is really dear to Paul. He is like tight with these guys, right? And so he says, listen, every time I pray, I pray and I thank God for you people. Um, always offering prayer with joy in every prayer for you all. He says prayer twice there. Isn't that awkward? But he bookends them around the word joy. Because when Paul prays for these folks, he's filled with joy. He's filled with a happiness that cannot be shaken. A happiness that is solid and concrete and unbreakable. It is a joy that like surpasses all understanding. Mind you, Paul is chained to guards in a room with no windows being fed scraps by his friends who show up with him. His friends in Rome are being tortured to death on a daily basis because this is during Nero, and Nero like was evil. And, and they did some pretty horrible stuff to Christians during that time. And Paul is able to say, you know what? I got joy when I pray about you guys. It is an unshakable, at its foundation, happiness. Well, what's he talking about? Well, part of what he's talking about is this church has sent him a gift. He doesn't specify what. We know part of that gift is a handful of people. He sends some folks to help do ministry in Rome while he's in prison. <laughs> because a bunch of the guys who are with him have left, and Paul is almost alone. And so Paul is there. He's by himself. He's got this gift, meaning people who came to help. So he's like, I'm thankful you guys sent people to help me. The other thing is they probably sent like money and food to take care of him because Romans didn't take care of their prisoners. So Paul is being taken care of by these people. So part of what he's saying thank you for is thank you for helping me. Right? Um, but it's beyond that. Because people help me sometimes, and I don't say thank you for them every day. Like, this is about the ongoing connection he has with these people. Um, for you, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. So, from the first day that you were converted until today, you guys have participated in the gospel of Christ. What's he talking about? Well, first off, grace and peace, right? You live in this forgiven, at peace with God. And you're intentionally growing up. Everybody with me? Like Titus is very cute, right? I, I feed him milk at night. And like when you give him a bottle, he'll push it away and he'll like pull it back. And he smiles because he thinks it's funny. And he saw me laugh about it once last night. So he like over and over again, he's watching me and doing this. And like it's kind of cute, right? If he's 18 and I'm bottle feeding him, that ain't cute anymore. It, I mean, it's true, right? Like if I'm still changing that boy's diapers and he's, like, driving, we got a problem, right? Um, these are folks who participated in the gospel, meaning they grew up. Everybody with me? Um, there are a lot of Christians who participate in the gospel by showing up on Sunday morning, but they're still in the place they were when they started. Or they haven't picked up their Bible in 12 years, and they haven't bothered to grow up at all. They don't pray because... It's really hard, or I do it in the shower and on the toilet, and right before I fall asleep to help me fall asleep. Um, and, and like, there's no spiritual growth there. This is the opposite of Philippi, right? These guys are growing because they're trying, um, and that's participation in the gospel. The second half of this is they're helping, right? Um, they're showing up and doing stuff. They're sending like support to Paul. They're participating in the gospel because they're helping it be spread. Um, this is a huge deal to Paul. 
Because Paul knows that everyone, 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 every one of the people that he encounters and brings to Christ is going to heaven with him. I mean, can you imagine? Like, like think about that for a second. The life we live seems like a long time. It gets quicker the older you get, I know. It's terrible. Um, but in the scheme of eternity, it's a blink. Not even a blink. It's a twinkle, right? I mean, like, eternity is a really, really long time. And these are people that Paul is encountering and sharing Christ with, and they'll be in heaven forever because of it. And he says, I'm thankful that you people are helping this happen, right? How many people do you have to bring to heaven with you to make it worthwhile? Um, actually, the, the, um, the Bible says that whenever a sinner turns from his sin, like, turns to Christ, that angels rejoice in heaven. They break out the party favors and they start like having a party because they celebrate only one person. So Paul says, you help do this, you set off parties in heaven, I'm thankful for it. Because for Paul, joy is rooted in his identity in Christ. Everybody with me? Um, and it's rooted in his connection with these people. And his connection with these people is rooted in his identity with Christ. It always comes back to this. Um, for I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus or of Christ Jesus. Meaning, I first off, I'm confident. I know this is true. That God, who started working in you, is going to continue to work in you until you get to the point where you're going to show up in heaven like complete. Right? Um, there are folks that I know who grow spiritually. I've been blessed here. I've only been here like a year and a half, not even a year and a half yet, and I've watched some people grow spiritually. And it is amazing to see. And those people are going to continue to grow spiritually because God is going to continue to work with them whether they like it or not. Um, And like when they get there, they will be a more complete person. Christ will have perfected the new creation in them. And guess what? It's something to be happy about. I watch Abby right now. She's at that stage of two years old where she's going from single words to short sentences. And she's learning all kinds of new words, sometimes to my chagrin. Um, but it's awesome to watch, and it fills me with joy to see her learn to, like, flush the toilet on her own. It's wonderful. Um, <laughs> like, these, these little things that they pick up, and Paul is looking. He's saying, you guys are growing, and Jesus is going to complete this work in you. And that is worth celebrating. How does that happen? Well, they're growing spiritually, right? Um, for it is only right for me to feel this way about you, because I have you in my heart. Both are since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. Okay, he says, listen, it's right for me to feel good about you. Why? Well, um, since I've been in prison um, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, meaning they're supporting him while he's in trouble, right? How many of y'all have had, like, disasters in your life and not reached out for people to help you? How much harder is it to do that stuff alone? God puts us, the family of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, meaning you and I, if we're in Christ, we're family. Even if I don't like your politics, even if I don't like, you know, your hair color, even if you're not the right race, like, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And, like, all of that stuff goes out the window because in Christ there's no longer races, there's no longer genders, there's no longer anything, because in Christ we're all brothers and sisters and united. Everybody with me? And so he says, um, 
since my imprisonment, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, meaning these brothers and sisters in Christ, you're helping me. You're helping me while I'm in trouble, and I appreciate that. Um, further, the defense um, of the gospel and like the sharing of the gospel, what he's talking about is he's talking about going out and sharing the word of God with folks, right? These are folks who have participated in spreading the gospel. That church had three people when Paul left. Three, right? We have some small churches in, in Montana, right? Like three. And Paul has grown a church there. How did he grow it? He planted seeds and he left. And they continued to grow. And they grew by sharing the gospel. And so they've done that with him. But they've also supported Paul. Um, further, the confirmation of the gospel. What does that mean? Anybody ever meet somebody who was awful and they met Jesus and then like suddenly they were this different guy? Or watch somebody grow up in Christ and like they went from being kind of this rough and tumble fella to being like a wholly different person? There are people in this room, actually, and I know there are, and you know who you are. Um, people who the gospel changes in dramatic ways. That is a confirmation of something that has happened, right? Um, if I walk out in my yard and I have a cherry tree and I go out and I start picking cherries off a tree, I'm pretty sure it's a cherry tree. How do I know? The cherry's on it, right? <laughs> How do you know God is doing a great work in these people? They're bearing fruit. Stuff is coming out of them that's worth coming out of them. If you come out and you see a dead plant in your yard, it's a pretty good bet that you might not know based on the fruit. Everybody with me? Um, you are all partakers in the gospel of grace with me. For God is my witness, how I long for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now, here's the phrase. For I long for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. This is actually a phrase Paul doesn't use anywhere else. Paul is sitting in prison. He's probably uncomfortable, right? It's probably really difficult to be chained to guys. I'm just saying. It's probably a miserable situation. And Paul is longing for something better. And he's longing for community with these guys. He's longing for the time that he could be with these guys again. Like, he looks and says, this is what I want. This is going to play into next week. We'll come back to it. So just keep it in your head. How is he longing for him? Like, I long for a cookie when I'm up here preaching, and I'm like, or a glass of water right now. I'm like, man, if I had a glass of water, it'd be great. My mouth is dry and everything else. I long for a glass of water. No, it's with the affection of Christ. Well, what does the affection of Christ look like? I would die for you is the affection of Christ, right? How much does Paul want to be with these guys? He wants to be with them like so far that he would sacrifice himself for them. Because God's love is oh, huge and amazing. And that's how much Paul wants to be back with these guys. He says, and actually the other end of that is not only the immensity of it, but the character of it. He wants to be with them. Like, what's Paul's identity? I'm all about Jesus, right? And so for Paul, being all about Jesus is when I want something, I want it because of Christ. And so Paul longs for them in the way that, like, he longs for everything in Christ. Um, by the way, if you sense sort of a recurring theme here, this is the source of joy. This is the source of joy. It's found in hope. It's found in peace. It's found in knowledge of new creation. It's found as a gift from God because all real lasting happiness, not Dairy Queen soft serve happiness, but like real happiness, is found in Christ can't take it away, can't steal it, can't break it, can't freeze it, can't nothing, can't touch it, because Jesus is the foundation of all of it. Um, and this, I pray, that 
your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Okay, so the first half here, Paul is like, you know what, I pray for you guys every time I pray. And then he says, this is specifically what I'm praying. Um, And what's he specifically praying? That your love may abound still more and more. Wow. Any of you guys following, like, politics right now? Don't raise your hand. But you know what I'm talking about, right? Or Facebook, you're on Facebook, and you see those nasty things that people say, and you read it, and it kind of makes you ticked off and frustrated and angry, right? Anybody have a family member that's a mess, and every time you talk to them, you think, oh, my God, this is God. And, like, you overflow with irritation and anger. Anybody do that? Is that just me, really? (laughs) Paul is saying, when I pray for you, I pray that your love would abound more and more. Why? Because you know what? If I can love somebody who's crummy, you can't touch me. Right? Paul, you know, they get ready to torture him, and they're like, Paul, we're going to torture you. He's like, great, I can experience suffering for the gospel because I love you and I love Jesus. So we'll find we're going to kill you. And he's like, well, I forgive you. Let's get going. I'm ready for heaven. What are you going to do with that guy? But his love is pouring out onto the folks around him. When Christ is hanging on the cross, what does he say? He says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. This is a love that abounds, and it's part of this foundation, right? Jesus' love, good fruit, the whole nine yards. Um, We keep going. Real knowledge and all discernment, meaning they grew up, right? Abby has no idea how unpleasant it is to grab a hot pot on the stove. She grabs, like, stools, and she pulled a water bottle over. Why are you going to stand on a water bottle, child? And she'll stand up there, and she wants to help with the stove when we're cooking. How badly is this going to go for her? She has no discernment. (laughs) None. Because children have no discernment. When they grow up, they get discernment. That's why you have to warn them, right? You know, like, you always say that. My mom always warned me about guys like you. Is mom usually right? Yeah. (laughs) But usually when you say that, it means that I'm going to ignore what mom had to say, right? Um, Fact of the matter is, discernment meaning that, like, God fills them up with this knowledge. They come to know the Word. They come to know God, and they know, you know what, I might enjoy this right now, but I ain't going to enjoy it later. I might enjoy having that. I might enjoy doing that, but that sin ain't going to do nothing but break me later on. And so, knowledge, discernment, meaning as you overflow with love, do so with your head screwed on straight so you can look at the world around you and know what's best for you. I know I'm going long. This is the last couple of verses. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, meaning when you show up and face Jesus, I want him to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Right? I want you to show up in front of Jesus and not be dirty. I, I did a sermon here a few months ago where right before I got up to preach, I spilled my coffee all over my uh, pants. And I had several people comment that I stood in an awkward way because I was really embarrassed to stand here with a big wet spot on my pants, right? Now imagine that, but imagine standing in front of God with, I rebelled against you, I picked pornography over you, I was greedy instead of loving you, I wanted my thing instead of you. Football on Sunday morning was more important than you. Um, Hating my neighbor because he's a big jerk is more important to me than the forgiveness that you gave me that I can't offer to him. Um, This stuff is it. 
And so this is what's on me, and I'm standing in front of you. How humiliating will that be? And so Paul says, listen, I don't want any of that garbage on you. I want you to show up in front of Jesus on the day of heaven, and I want you to look clean. And that's why I'm praying for you like this. By the way, there's joy in this. The joy is the joy of being close to Christ, the, the, the God who died for us. Um, sincere and blameless on the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Christ Jesus. Um, I, I've gained a lot of weight in the last few years, and I, I've, I've had this problem with losing weight because I'll eat a salad. Like any, any of you guys eat salad to lose weight? The problem is I haven't found that one salad that I eat to make me fit. Right? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> that magic salad? Or like um, I have, I have uh, in my garage, I don't know where to put the car because I've got weight equipment. And I'll go out there and I'll lift weights sometimes. And I never look like Arnold Schwarzenegger when I'm done. Never. Maybe now Arnold Schwarzenegger, not like 1980s Arnold Schwarzenegger. It never happens. Why? Because to be filled with the fruit of that thing, it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? When I reach heaven, God is going to invest in me, and I'm going to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. By the way, what is that? Galatians, look it up. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It is the product of following God. So when I stand before God, this is what I'm going to be full of. Or I could be full of something else. Sin. Don't fill in anything bad there. Um, <laughs> because God is calling us to live a certain way. And that joy that comes with the foundation that is set in fellowship and in like the knowledge of grace in Christ turns into this wonderful thing. And we work toward it. And that's what Paul is praying for with these guys. Why is he praying for it? Because he loves them. And he loves them so much that even though he's in prison rotting away, he's happy. He loves them that much. I think about Abby some nights when I'm like tired or not feeling well, and she just makes me happy, right? It's like that times ten. Paul is experiencing what Christ experiences towards us. And we're called to do this. My challenge for you today, I'm way long, I'm really sorry. Um, there's a lot of songs, it's Larry's fault. Um, <laughs> my challenge for you today is to do the opposite of what I just did. Um, Dan Paul, uh, love the folks around you. Find your identity in Christ. When you look at somebody, don't see them as anything but a child of God who needs Jesus. Um, pray for the folks around you. When you experience difficulty, say, what has Christ done for me? What is this great thing that I possess? Um, come to the end, full grown, not wearing diapers and you know, fighting with a bottle as an adult. Like Come to Christ at the end of time, full of the fruit of the Spirit. There's nothing, nothing, nothing that compares with that. Not every new TV, not every fancy cup of coffee, not every anything in the world can compare with the joy that comes with that. We're going to close in prayer. And I'll do a blessing, and then we'll be dismissed. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would um, touch the lives of the folks here, and I pray that you would move in them in a way that would help them to be filled with the joy of the Spirit, the joy that, that comes with knowing Christ intimately and being filled with the Holy Spirit and leaning on you in all things, a joy that is unshakable and not temporary like, like melting ice cream or like um, shifting wind, but is solid and is stoned and is all-encompassing close in a blessing. Um, part of what goes along with this happiness